0: A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, when the Amazon was just a river in South America and cell phones were not everywhere, planning ahead to meet somebody was really, really important. So you couldn't rely on just a text message when you showed up, or you couldn't rely, and I know this is hard to imagine and fathom for some of us, you couldn't rely on your phone giving you directions to any address anywhere in the world. So you would have to call ahead and talk to people and say, where do you live? Can you give me directions? Now we found at that time some people are better at giving directions than others. And so we don't do that anymore. But we would have to plan ahead. We'd have to say, okay, I'm going to meet you. Where should we meet? Let's meet at 2.30 at the fountain by the ice cream parlor. We'd have to make plans before we went anywhere instead of just saying, hey, I'm here. Now, that was difficult, but what was especially difficult in those days was to arrange somebody you have never met in a public place, and you would have to go through the awkward ordeal of describing yourself or asking them to describe themselves. How will I recognize you? And they might say, well, I'll have a yellow shirt. And there's all kinds of yellow shirts. A black hat. Or I'm kind of short or kind of tall. And it just gets really awkward. And if you're like me, and I look like all kinds of people, I can't describe myself. Medium height, medium build. Back then I had brown hair. Brown hair. Well, once my wife and I we're flying into San Diego. It was the first time we had ever flown into San Diego. This was years and years ago. And we were going to be picked up by a total stranger. I had never been to the San Diego airport. I had never met this man. I did not know what to expect. I had to ask, how will I wreck? And I tried to say, well, I'm about six foot tall. I have brown hair. Um, and he says, don't worry about any of that. Just look for me. And I said, okay. He said... I'll be the tallest person there. I was like, okay, well, that's easy. And sure enough, we disembarked, and it was the summertime, and people were still, just like now, people fled Phoenix in the summertime. And they would go to San Diego, and in the airport, there was just this sea of people. And I looked around, and sure enough, there's one guy who is head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And He's scanning the crowd. This guy had to be six foot ten. I walked up to him and I said, you must be Tom. I'm looking for you and you're looking for me. And he goes, yeah, that's right. I was easy to spot, huh? Just look for the tall guy. Just look for the tall guy. That's exactly what happened. I didn't have to wonder. I didn't have to fret. I didn't have to look around. Didn't have to ask, are you Tom? Are you Tom? No, I just walked up to the tallest guy in the whole terminal, one of the tallest people I've ever talked to in my life, and I said, hi, you must be Tom. Because he was tall and he was recognizable. Today, we're going to talk about how unbelievers, one of the primary ways, unbelievers are to recognize us. We're going to look and see what Jesus said in the last night of his life to direct us to be more recognizable than a tall guy in a crowd. He's going to tell us that we're called to love one another, love other Christians, love people in your church. Jesus is going to be very clear that the primary marker of any faithful church is When it comes to the horizontal relationships between people, is love. Now, remember what we're trying to do. Over these last few weeks, we've been asking the big question how shall we as a church be known? What should we be known for in our community? What should mark us out as different? It's not our race. It's not our common interests, it's not our politics, it's not our schooling philosophy, it's not our socioeconomic status, but we've said over the last two weeks that we we want to be recognized as people that love God most, and as people who love our neighbors as ourselves. And today, we hear from the Lord Jesus another marker. If Jesus were standing with us physically today, he is in our midst, but if he was here Physically, and he could speak, even though he speaks through the Word of God, if we could see his mouth move, we could physically hear his voice, if he was here, say, give each other the love I have given you. That's what he would say. That's what he would say to us as a church. Give each other the love I have given you. Make it clear. Make it plain. Make it obvious. Make it easier to spot than a tall guy in a crowd. I'll show you where I got that from. John chapter 13, verse 34. We're going to look at verse, just verses 34 and 35. Jesus is speaking here. God's Word says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this... All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Jesus, you may not be here where we can see you, but we know you are here by your Spirit. I pray that you would help us to hear your voice because we know you speak. You speak today through your word pray we would have ears to hear. I pray that you would birth in some cases, in other cases, fan into flames that already exist a desire to express the love that we have received from you to other people here in our church. And if we're not a part of this church, to people in that church. Lord, that is a work that only you can do. And I pray that you would give us motivation by your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. We owe others in our church love like the love we've received from Jesus. We're going to see this in two movements this morning. First, a new command, and then a notable impact. First, a new command. This is what Jesus says. Remember I said this is Jesus giving instructions to his disciples on the last night before he leaves With tenderness, he says, in verse 33, you can look just above. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. That means he's about to go. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And so it's like, here's my last words to you, disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. He connects the love that they have received from Him and says, just as you have received that love from Me, share it with each other. Now you might ask, how is that new? Because remember, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. And we read last week in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, that there. In the Old Testament, we read, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it doesn't seem new, but it is. How? And that's what we need to do when we look at the Bible. When we we come across something that's like, huh, that doesn't make sense. We ask questions. Well, how is that new? How is it new? Verse 34. Look again. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. That's not new. Just as I have loved you, there is the new part. There is the new part. So now, we Christians... See, he's talking to the disciples, but this command is not just for the disciples of that day. This command is for every Christian in any faithful church around the globe. He says, now, what you need to recognize... Is it you're called to love one another? That's not new. But what is new is the way in which I have showed my love to you. So now we Christians and the disciples then have a new motive. It's not just because Leviticus 19.18 tells us that we should love one another as ourselves, but it's also because we have been loved by this Jesus, in a way we can't explain or categorize, therefore we must share this love with other people. Not just other people in general, but one with another. And we must make this love together clear. Clearer than a tall guy in a crowd. See, in Jesus, he is revealed God has revealed the surprising depths that He has for mankind. God has revealed the height and depth and length and breadth of the love of God is made clear in Jesus Christ. God has always been merciful. He did not destroy mankind when our first father and mother committed high treason and we followed willingly in their footsteps. He freely gave us good gifts to enjoy. Taste buds... To relish good food, eyes to see vibrant colors like wildflowers that pop up this time of year, noses to smell the aroma of a gathering storm. We have received many gifts from our good God, but now we see in Jesus that he is the best gift that we have ever received. We now see <coughs> we now see that God loves us not just with words, but also with action, with the action of sending his beloved son to live and die and rise again. Jesus loves us with a love that defies description and all understanding. We Christians, we know this love. We rehearse it every week. The reason we do that is because we forget. We forget how much we are loved by God. We forget how much Jesus is committed to us. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that in song. We need to remember that as we read the scriptures. We need to remember that because we forget. We can feel like we're not loved by God because our feelings tell us you're not loved. Maybe we sinned. Maybe we did something badly and we think, man, there's no way I could be loved. What we need to remember as Christians is that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And we remember that by looking at Jesus. He was the one who left heaven for earth. None of us would do that. We don't realize this yet, but when we get to heaven and look around, it's going to take two seconds to realize the sacrifice that Jesus bore in leaving that place, a place we would never leave, to come to a place we would never willingly go to rescue us. We don't often go out of our way to help people in need. Jesus did. Why? Because he loved us. And when he came, he lived on earth as a servant. He could have ma- demanded to be served. He was the creator of the universe, but he was content to live in obscurity. He was content to live far away from the corridors of power and worked for years as a lowly carpenter making tables and other things. He, could, he did not call the elite, but humble fishermen. He lived to serve others. Why? Because he loved and he died like a criminal. Most remarkably, we see the love of God for us in the fact that he sent Jesus, and Jesus willingly allowed himself to be affixed on a Roman cross and die like a petty thief. He was shamed. He was made a spectacle. Everybody who walked by saw a man they thought guilty the reality was we're the guilty ones. And he did this so that he might secure us from the clutches of eternal death. And he did this when we had no thought of him. (coughs) He didn't love us because we were worth it. He didn't love us because we were looking for him. He loved us because he loved us. His love was clear. His love is clear. His love will always be clear, clearer than a tall guy in a crowd. William Cooper, one of the best poets of the 18th century, used his efforts to write stirring prose about Jesus. And in one such poem, He wrote about this magnificent love of Jesus Christ for his people. I'm going to read it. Now you'll have to excuse some of the old language. But it has a good message. Hark, my soul, it is the Lord. Tis thy Savior, hear his word. Jesus speaks and speaks to thee. He's speaking to you. Thee means you. Say, poor sinner... Lovest thou me? And he says, here, "Here's how he responds: I delivered thee when bound, when bleeding, healed thy wound, sought thee when wandering, and set thee right. Turned thy darkness into light. Can a woman's tender care cease toward the t- child she bare? Yes, she may forgetful be, yet I, yet will I remember thee." He's saying. It's more likely that a nursing mother forget her child than Jesus forget us. Mine is an unchanging love, higher than the heights above, deeper than the depths beneath, free and faithful, strong as death. Friends, no one has loved us like Jesus. No one has loved us like Jesus. He has fixed upon us His love never, ever, ever to take it away. Jesus loves us with a love that's unreasonable, that's beyond all reason and beyond all doubt. And Jesus tells us that we are now commanded to love each other, fellow Christians, this way. More than just loving our neighbors as ourselves, we're called to love others in our church. How? As we have been loved by Jesus. That. That is the new command that we have been given. That sort of love is new. And the love that we have mutually shared in Jesus is what is meant to bind us together as a church. We're united not because we're uniform or because we're the same. We're united because we share in the love of Christ. We're not going to have the same opinions about everything. We're united by the common love that we have experienced in Jesus. We're united not by our race, but by the love we have received from Jesus. We're united not by our common interests. But the love we have received from Jesus. We're united not by our politics, but the love we have received from Jesus. We're united not by our schooling philosophy, but the love we have received from Jesus. We're united not by our socioeconomic status, but the love we have received from Jesus. This love from Jesus is not merely something for us to enjoy, to relish, but to give away. And to give away to each other. And that love must be clear. Clearer than a tall guy in a crowd. And as we give that love away, he promises there will be a notable impact. What's the impact? Look at verse 35. By this. That means by the sharing of, Of the mutual love. Getting real specific. For us as a church, if this is your church. As we share love together. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Disciple just means follower. So, if you have love for one another. So, Jesus says, as we share together this life at this church. And share love one to another a testimony, will ring out. So we are to regard each other here as Jesus regarded us. And as we do, as we do, as the love that we have in common becomes more and more clear, and as others can see this from the outside and hear the shouts of, that is different, they know Jesus, as they see this, see, that's why I say it must be clear, as clear as a tall guy in a crowd. Because for them to notice, it has to be clear. It has to be evident. It has to be somebody, something someone can see. It has to be, the love that we share might, it can't just be a love that is, is seasonal or transactional, meaning when you want something or when somebody wants something from you, but it's something that is abiding. Something that is always there. Jesus loves us with a love that is unsurpassable, that is beyond all reason. We are to love other people beyond all reason. May we be known, and we are in many ways now, but may we be known all the more by the love of Christ that we share together. With apologies to 1 Corinthians 13. If we can proclaim the gospel to our community as well as the angels of heaven, but have not love for each other, we're nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If we have a robust and unprecedented store of biblical knowledge and understand the things of the Lord as well as the Apostle Paul, but have not love for each other, We are nothing. If we serve our community tirelessly and beyond all reason and expectation so that people compare us and our church collectively to Mother Teresa, but we have not love for each other, we gain nothing. We are. We are to love one another With a clear, evident, powerful love that's so clear, other people notice. And I'll tell you this it's not safe. One of the most vulnerable things you can do is love another person who's not perfect. It's easier to love Jesus in some ways because you know he's perfect, right? He is the perfect high priest. Who is can sympathize with our weaknesses and understands what we're going through, but yet never sinned. Now, what we are called to do as believers in Jesus is take the love that we've received in Jesus and give it to somebody who is not Jesus. Because <laughs> I got a newsflash. None of us in here are Jesus. We have, we're filled with the Spirit of God, but we're not God, right? And so that means that we're going to Sin against each other. That means we're going to disappoint each other. That means that we're going to make all kinds of crazy mistakes. That means we'll frustrate each other. But none of those things are reasons for us to withdraw our love from one another. Jesus did not love us with a safe kind of love. He gave all. He gave all. If you wonder, how am I to love the people in my church? Jesus says, look at me. Love them. Love them with a love that you've received from me. There's a book called Tortured for Christ that Pete David Saver turned me on to. And it's the story of Richard Wurmbrand who was imprisoned by communists in the last century. As a Christian, he saw that his incarceration was to be his mission field. And he relates this story about a pastor, not him, but someone else who was evangelizing someone, uh, another one of the, of the prisoners. And here's he relates the story. The new the person that was being evangelized was named Joseph. Joseph said, We have read nearly everything Jesus said now, but I still wonder what it's like to, show, to, to know the man, to know him as a man. And then he, he, he tells the story I'll tell you. When I was in room four, there was a pastor who would give away everything he had his last bit of bread, his medicine. The coat from his back? I have given those things away sometimes when I wanted for them for myself, but at other times when men were hungry and sick and in need, I could remain very quiet. I didn't care. The other pastor, he says, was really Christ-like. You felt that in the touch of his hand, he could heal and calm. One day, as he talked to a small group of prisoners, and one of them asked the question you asked, what is Jesus like? "'I've never met anyone like the man you described, "'so good, so loving, so truthful.' "'And the pastor replied,' Wurmbrand said, "'in a moment of great courage, simply and humbly, "'Jesus is like me.' "'And the man who had often received kindness "'from the pastor answered, smiling, "'If Christ is like you, then I love him too.' That's what the effect of our love together ought to be to the world we live in. If Jesus loves like y'all love, I want to love him too. I want in on that kind of love. That, friends, is what we owe one another. That's what we owe. Now how? I can't speak comprehensively on how we are to love each other. We can see in script, look at Jesus and say, okay, I am to love others like Jesus loved me, like Jesus loved me. He loved me sacrificially. He loved me for, he didn't love me for personal gain, right? Jesus, What does Jesus need from me? Zip. It's not as if when I became a Christian, he goes, yes, okay. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need us But he loves us. He loves me just the same. He loves me constantly. He's loved me for years. We could say a lot, a lot, a lot, but let's just focus in on a couple aspects of the love that we've received from Christ that we're called to give away to each other. He loves us with a patience and a kindness. He loves us with a patience and a kindness. Think about how patient and kind Jesus is toward all of us. How many times, I've thought about this, how many times have I gone about my day like I don't need him at all? Just doing the business I need to do, doing the work I need to do, getting stuff done and checking boxes on my to-do list like a, like a fiend, and then all of a sudden something goes wrong. And I say, oh, Jesus, help. Not once. His attitude toward me is not like, where were you when you thought you had everything under control? I gave you the very power to checkmark the box. And yet now you want something from me? He's not like that. He's patient. He's patient. When we sin in the same area, again and again, he does not send us away. His promises remain with us. Think about how patient he is. Jesus at a glance knows all of our weaknesses, the sum total of all of our sin. He knows our frailties. All of them. All of them. And he's patient. He doesn't come to me and say, listen, before I'm going to help you, I'm going to tell you all the ways you fall short, just so you know, just so you know what I'm doing here and how important this is, and so you can think higher of me. Whenever we come in close quarters with someone... With anyone, like a part of the same church, we're going to see some very real flaws and problems with them, and they're going to see them with us. That's true. And we don't need to pretend like it doesn't hurt, and we don't need to pretend like those aren't real factors, because they are. And it's easy to write people off because they frustrate us, or because we just don't click. But Jesus doesn't treat us that way. I am so grateful, I am so grateful that the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin, usually one at a time. Just one at a time. It's like, it's like Jesus gets on his, his, he just goes, okay, here's one. Okay, little guy, here's one. And then, boom! Now, so many times, I want to say, okay, friend, here's 27. That's not what Jesus does to me. He's kind, and he's patient. He bears with me. I think about all the things that Jesus overlooks about us. Oh, goodness. Can we overlook a few things about other people? That's one way to show love to others. Are we optimistic about other people? Listen, if they have the Spirit of God within them, and they do if they're Christians, man, what might God do through them? How might God change them? How might God work in them? See, we can show love just by being optimistic, just by talking to our unbelieving friends and relatives positively about the people in our church. That goes so far. Can we bear? Can we be kind? Can we be patient? It's easy as Christians to think that that verse from Ephesians 4.15... Sharing the truth in love is this blanket card just to say, hey, listen, I'm going to just tell you the truth, bam! And if I tell you the truth, it's love, whether it feels like it or not. One of the ways we can express love to people that need to be corrected, because it happens. I mean, we've got Matthew 18 in the Bible. We do church discipline. We have to. It would be unloving to just say, you're fine, it's okay, God is love, do what you want. That's unloving. But if we can't express kindness to people when we share the truth, then we're not ready to talk to them. If we can't be kind in the way that we share something difficult with somebody, we're not ready to talk to them. That's how Jesus deals with us. Kind. Jesus has worked by dying and rising to forgive our every sin Which means we can forgive when sinned against We can be patient and we can be kind toward others And that's what we're called to be so what kind of place do we want to be? And I know most of you here And I know most of you here in this room, well, you are already that kind of place. But what kind of place are we to be all the more? A place that loves each other like Jesus. We have nothing to offer our community if we do not show the love of Christ consistently to each other. The people around us and in our lives that do not know Jesus... They need to see us not dispute about what to do about COVID. They need to see our mutual love together, even with people we disagree. They need to see us not try to win every argument online and in person, but they need to see us in our mutual love sharing together. They need to see us not standing up for our political perspective. They need to see us and be mar- that we're marked by our mutual love. It's by this, Jesus knows, says that all People will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. They will know us by the love we share, not by the opinions we hold. They will know us by the love we share, not by the secondary matters we dispute over. They will know us by the love we share, not the party we vote for. They will know us by the love we share. And that's what's most important. Why? Why? We can share this love because we've been given this love from Jesus. And may that love that we have radiate forth all the more. So that when people come in contact with you who don't know Jesus, and you talk about your church and the people at your church, they say, man, I want to check that out. That sounds like a great place. Those people sound great. It's because by this, Jesus says, all people will know that you are my disciples by this love. May it be clearer than a tall guy in a crowd. Let's pray. Lord, that's... As we even, even just standing here preaching this, Lord, I just recognize how difficult that is. Lord, it's difficult to love other imperfect people. But Lord, at the same time, we look at you and recognize what you've done for us. We have no ground, no place to talk about what's difficult. You did what was impossible for anyone else to show us love. May we as a church show each other love all the more, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to be able to see days in our church where we see people added to the Lord, not necessarily because of our theological precision or because we can explain everything, but because they see the love that we share together because of the love that we've received from you. May that be a testimony for us as we interact with each other, recognizing that the most important marker for all of us Together as a church is love for one another because of the love we've shared and received from you. Lord, this we pray for. This we ask for. Lord, we pray for strength. Lord, I pray for strength for people to put up with me, Lord. And I pray, Lord that we would be able to love each other all the more so that when people come in contact with us they say, I've never I might not know this Jesus but I know you and if you love if Jesus loves like you then I want to know him more help us Lord In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.